Hello, and welcome back to Grateful Gwenna. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad you're here. As always, we hope you're safe. And if you're not, please immediately and don't hesitate to call 1-800-799-SAFE. And they have the resources and the clientele and the personnel to help you and to listen to you, even if that's all you need. So today's topic is probably going to be a lot longer. Um, I've talked a lot in all my episodes about how do you identify abuse? Are you being abused? What is abuse? I've shared my testimony and the testimonies of several others, um, and several have shared their own testimonies, and I'm very grateful for all of you for doing that, and I hope that all has benefited you, and I've shared various other topics, and, um, How do you identify whether you or someone you know or love is being abused? How can you help a friend and various other topics? But I realized this morning that what I haven't addressed is how and what to do and how to react and what to do when you do realize you or your loved one is being abused or you or your loved one or you are being abused. So... Today's topic is trifold. Um, the first part of it, and it's going to be a long session, so grab a seat, grab your favorite drink, water, coffee, tea, whatever it is, Gatorade Zero, <laughs> um, and grab a notebook and a pen and your Bible. Um, and the first part of the topic today are nine steps from me personally, from me, Gwenna, um, what I recommend you do if and when you realize, admit, or discover that you or someone you love is being abused. So we'll have nine um, topics. The second part of this um, is several scriptures that are related to abuse. And the third part of this is going to be, um, and, and I know I only have 50 minutes, so there is a slight possibility this might be split up into two episodes this morning. Um, on today. But um, the third part will be from an article about what the Bible actually says about abuse and abusive relationships. So without further ado, let's get started. I want to give you some hope because it can be a pretty devastating feeling to realize that you are being abused and it's not a fun feeling. You don't want to believe that um, about yourself or about the loved one who's supposed to be loving you and not abusing you. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, especially in the Christian community about forgiving your abuser. And we're going to talk about that today too. Um, So to start off with the first part of this podcast episode is my Gwenna's nine personal suggestions for what to do if and when you discover or realize that you are being abused or someone you love is being abused. So I'm going to assume it's you that's finally realized, oh man, oh crap, I'm being abused. It's very embarrassing, honestly, to even admit to yourself that that's happening or that you're quote unquote allowing it to happen. It's very difficult, but remember, it's not your fault. Your abuser is choosing to abuse you. They are making a choice or he is making a choice or in some cases she is making a choice, okay? So 
Um, suggestion number one or letter A, if and when you realize or discover you are being abused, obviously the number one thing is to pray. Um, obviously, um, we should, Matthew 6, tells us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Um, our relationship with our God, our Lord and Savior should be our top number one priority and we should go to him with absolutely anything. Of course, we shouldn't just pray when we need something, obviously, but pray is step one, letter A. Um, when you pray, just if you're not familiar with praying, all you do is talk to God. He created you. He loves you. He knows who you are. It doesn't matter if you've never talked to him before, even once in your life. He's waiting for you, beloved. He's waiting for you. And you talk to him just as if you were talking to a friend. And Jesus said that um, we are his friends. He calls us his friends. So the first step in praying, in my opinion, is to repent of our own sin. Now, I don't want to heap guilt on you because the Bible says that God does not condemn us. For therefore there is now, I'm sorry, for there now therefore is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God does not condemn you. So I don't want you repenting of the abuse because that's not your fault. I don't want you to repent of allowing the abuse because that's really technically not your fault. Again, he's making a choice. I'm going to say he because in most cases it's he. And not only that, I am she. So I am female. Um, so first repent of your own sin. None of us is perfect. We are all human and we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, you know, I quote that scripture all the time not to give me a license to sin, but to be realistic because the Bible also says in John or first John that if we say we're without sin, then we lie and the truth is not in us. So we need to repent of our own sin. Okay. Repenting is not just being sorry, but it's turning away from our sin and replacing it with something else. So turning away from it, changing that behavior. So number one, repent of our sin. Um, really, when we pray, um, I feel like one of the first things we should do is also to worship God, to praise him for who he is, not just for what he can do or what he does, but we need to, pr I feel like we need to praise God for who he is. We know that God is omnipotent. He is all powerful, omniscient, all knowing, and he loves us. And we need to praise him for who he is. He is Lord God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, Adonai, El Shaddai, all those names that you've probably heard. Um, we need to praise him for who he is and worship him. And that kind of gets our heart in the right spirit, in the right um, kind of mode or mood to pray and then repent of our own sin. You know, um, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for what they do, or Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for us. We need to pray and ask God to forgive us for our own sins. And a few years ago, a very good friend of mine said, when we prayed together on the phone, he said, Father, forgive us for our sins, known and unknown. And honestly, I thought the man was crazy at the time. But now it makes sense. Sometimes we don't realize we're sinning. And there are sins we do intentionally and deliberately and sins we 
I mean, we choose to do. And there are sins that we don't know we're doing and sins that we do without meaning to, like mistakes or errors, for example. And so we need to repent of all that, not just um, being sorry for our sins and, and feeling remorseful for them, but also changing our ways and turning, turning away from them with God's help. But we need to do the turning away also. So um, also when we pray, not only is it okay to ask God for help, but I believe he wants us to ask him for help. We should ask him for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance, especially when it is respect, uh, with regard and respect to the abusive situation that we may find ourselves in. Beloved, if you're being abused, God does not want that for you. He loves you. Scripture says he delights in you. It says it multiple times over in the Bible that God delights in you. Um, I just had a vision when I said that of a lady with tears in her eyes because whoever you are, you didn't realize how much God loves you and the Holy Spirit just touched your heart. Thank you, Jesus. So ask God for help because he loves you. He delights in you. He created you. You are his masterpiece. You are his work of art and he does not want you to be mistreated. He does not want you to be abused. He does not want you to be treated this way if you are being abused. So ask God for help. He wants us to depend on him, to rely on him, and to trust him. He is able. So ask God for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance. So letter A was pray, and the subcategories were worship God, repent of our sin, and ask God for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance. Step two, or letter B, then listen. Sometimes we just need to stop talking and listen. I told you earlier, if you haven't prayed before and you pray to God, you pray to him just as if you were talking to a friend sitting next to you because he is with you. He is in the room with you. He, he, he is present with you. Hopefully you can sense or feel his presence. But even if you cannot sense or feel his presence, you don't sense or feel his presence. He's still there with you. So whenever you're talking to a friend, you don't just talk and they never respond. Um, usually, almost always, your friend is going to try to say something back or is going to have a conversation with you. And so you're required, as your part of the conversation is a requirement to actually listen to what your friend has to say. And a lot of times, your friends can have some godly advice and godly counsel. Well, it's the same idea when we're praying. We need to stop and listen to what God has to say. So I'm going to pause just for a couple minutes to reflect here. I want you to go ahead and pray, worship God, repent of your sin, and ask God for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance. And then um, we're going to listen for God's voice. So let's do the first step, then I'll come back and we'll do the second step together. So it's going to be silent for a couple of minutes as you pray, worship God, repent of your own sin, and ask God for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance in your situation of abuse. I'll be back in two minutes.
Okay, that was approximately two minutes. I apologize for the interruption. I almost spilled a drink, and I somehow managed to catch it practically midair, so praise God for that. Um, hopefully, you were able to take a couple of minutes, and if you need more time, please um, feel free to go ahead and pause the podcast episode recording and, and go ahead and finish praying, worshiping God, repenting of your sin, and asking God for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance, especially in your abusive situation. Um, that, by the way, I'm a teacher, and that's called wait time, except that's a lot longer than we normally give. Usually it's about 30 seconds um, to wait for a response. But in this case, it was to wait while you prayed. And I was actually praying for you during that time as well. Now we're going to pause for two more minutes, and I want you to listen for God's voice and answer. And just try to clear your mind and focus on waiting for his answer. Just wait and hear what he says. And when you hear something, I want you to write it down. Twenty seconds. Okay, welcome back again. Um, as you listened for God's voice and, and him to speak to you and maybe answer your prayers, sometimes he'll answer us right away and sometimes he waits. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait, sometimes he says yes, but not the way you think. <laughs> He's got lots of answers. I actually was praying also during that time for you and for this podcast as well. 
And God basically told me to divide this podcast into three sections. So this will be part one, and we'll have two other parts in just a little bit here. Okay, so now that you've, step one or letter A, you've prayed, worshiped God, repented of your sins, asked God for help, direction, wisdom, and guidance, and step two, B, you, letter B, you've listened for God's voice and answer, and hopefully he answered you, but if not, don't fret, don't worry, he will. Um, write it down when you hear it. And by the way, just kind of as an FYI or a Shakespearean aside or a little caveat, if you will, um, sometimes God will confirm, often, for me, actually, but sometimes God will confirm what he says through someone else. Um, someone else might just use the words that God told you when you were praying or you heard in your head when you were praying. That sometimes, a lot of times, actually, often how God speaks to me. And he'll confirm that through one or two other people saying something to me that he's either the same words, the same idea, um, the same what to do or concept, whatever it is. And the phrasing is almost always exactly the same. So I, I know it's from him because I never told that other person what I was thinking. So step three I recommend if you're in an abusive situation is to carefully study the scriptures in the Bible, in the Holy Word of God. Um, pray before you study and study the scriptures as, as God leads you. Um, he might direct you to a certain scripture. He might put a certain scripture in your mind. Um, he might have a sermon or a Bible study or a podcast or a preacher or someone on the television or a commercial or in a movie. Sometimes I love movies. Movies to me, they, they just apply to real life in so many ways and I get so many lessons out of them. But read scriptures and study them as he leads. Also study and read scriptures in the Bible that are related to abuse, of violence, um, how to treat others, what God thinks and how he feels about you. Remember I said earlier that the Bible said God delights in you. And then I had that vision of someone. Um, I can't see your face exactly, but I believe you have blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin. <laughs> But anyway, um, God delights in you. You are his artwork. Um, and then, uh, you know, also look at scriptures and search, search and seek out scriptures about what God wants for you. So that's letter C. I recommend you take notes while you're doing that and write down especially the scriptures and the ideas that God speaks to you through the word and through those scriptures that stand out to you. Um uh, podcast episode, or I'm sorry, part two of this podcast, um, will talk about several scriptures to get you started. And then, um, the article I'm going to quote to you in part three, that she also recommends lots and lots of scriptures that are related to abuse. And her name, um, the lady who wrote the article is Cindy Wright, but it's originally, I believe, from an excerpt of Leslie Vernick's book, I believe. And she is a an author and an expert on the subject. So pray, listen, and study scriptures. Step four I recommend to you, and these are my recommendations personally to you, is obey. Step out in faith and take action doing what God has told you. Um, during the listen part, when you were praying and you were listening to God, and 
when you were reading and God spoke to you through what you read and studied in the Bible scriptures. So step out in faith and take action, doing what God tells you to do. God is going to speak to you, especially if you've prayed and you've asked him to do so. He will speak to you. He might tell you something different than he tells me. He probably will because every situation is a little different. Okay, so pray, listen, study, and obey. Step five or letter E, develop and follow a safety plan. Um, if you're not sure what that is, I believe I have another podcast episode on it, but you can also go to the National Center for Domestic Violence website and you can search that on the web, on the internet, just type in the words National Center for Domestic Violence. You can also call the domestic the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-SAFE, and they can guide you along in developing and following a safety plan. So pray, listen, study, obey, develop and follow a safety plan. Letter F is pack a backpack. Um, the National Center for Domestic Violence website also has recommendations on how to develop and follow that safety plan. And part of that is by packing a backpack and they have guidelines, what they recommend that you put in that. I believe I also have a podcast episode dedicated to that topic on my podcast. You can search for that um, podcast subject or topic and, and listen to that podcast. Um, but basically you want to put in at least one or two nights of overnight clothes you know, your underwear and pants, um, a shirt, socks, shoes, whatever you might need if you have to leave in a hurry um, due to safety reasons. And it's scary to do and think about, but trust me, it's quite helpful when you're on the other side of it and you've thought of this. Um, also include copies of any important papers you might need that you won't have time to look for or to get, to rush around and get if you're in a hurry and if you need to leave quickly. Um, you can put in your backpack, like maybe have an extra toothbrush and toothpaste and extra, extra hairbrush, you know, whatever toiletries you and your children, if you have them might need, if you have to rush out in a hurry, um, and keep that backpack in a safe place where your abuser won't find it. Letter G call for help if, and when needed, and do not make the same make mistake I did. Do not make the same mistake I did, please. Call for help if and when needed, and don't let fear for your friends and your family stop you. That's what they're there for, and I know you're probably afraid because you don't want to get them involved, and maybe you're embarrassed like I was feeling, and maybe you're worried and scared that your abuser is going to hurt them because you told them, and he's going to be angry, and that's a legitimate valid fear but please don't let that stop you because God is with you as you will find out in um, parts two and three, okay? So call for help if and when needed. There is no shame in calling for help. We all need help once in a while because we're all human beings. And you might be allowing someone else a blessing by allowing them to help you. And God will take care of you and God will take care of them. Allow your friends and family to know about what's going on. Do not keep it a secret. Do not try to protect them from being abused because that just enables your abuser to abuse you more. 
Don't let fear for friends and family stop you from reaching out for help. And letter eight, if you have children, consider your children. Are you staying in the relationship for the sake of your children? You know it's abusive. You wouldn't allow it if your child were being treated the way you're being treated, but you stay because maybe like me, you believe you're doing what's in the kid's best interest, the children's best interest. Believe me, it's not in their best interest. I found out the hard way. I didn't leave soon enough. I stayed in my abusive marriage for a grand total of 17 years. I say a grand total because the last three and a half years we were separated for the third time. Um, but I mistakenly thought that I was doing my kids a favor by staying in the marriage so that they wouldn't have a broken home like I did because my parents divorced when I was five. And it really messed me up emotionally. And I've had a lot of problems growing up because of it. If you've listened to other parts of my podcast. Um, however, I learned the hard way personally from my mistakes that I should have left the abusive relationship a long time before that. And I'm still paying the price for not having left. Okay. So pray, listen, study, obey, develop and follow a safety plan, pack a backpack, call for help if and when needed, and don't be afraid for your friends and family. God is with you. And if you have children, consider your children. And finally, step number nine, letter I, and possibly the most important one, get out. Get out of there. Get yourself and your children, if you have them, get to safety. Stop living in denial. Stop thinking he's going to get better when he just keeps getting worse. If you look at the facts, look at it logically and realistically without your emotions, get out, get to safety. I'm going to conclude part one and then I'll start part two with um, a lot of scriptures that are related. Um, I lost my train of thought. Maybe I'm not supposed to say it. Oh, yes, I am. Um, I'm going to conclude part one, get out and get to safety. Learn from my mistakes. You're not doing your children a favor or yourself if you allow the abuse to continue because it's going to escalate. Someone told me that and I didn't believe them. I thought, I believed God would change him. And it is possible for God to change someone. But the thing is, they have to want to change. You can't change them. And um, Luke one thirty seven says, nothing is impossible with God. And that is true. Nothing is impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. But the key words are with God. If someone's abusing you, they're not acting with God. So that verse, in my opinion, doesn't apply here because it's not with God. Well, it does because it says with God. But if they're abusing you, they're not with God. Abuse is not with God. God does not approve of abuse. So get out right now. Oh, don't minimize the abuse. Don't keep making excuses for him. Don't cover up for him. I remember I even covered up for him um, when he spent a night in jail for strangling me and his boss called me the next morning asking where he was. I started to cover up for him. <laughs> don't do that. Um, get out and get to safety. Don't minimize the abuse because it's just going to keep getting worse and escalating. And that's what happened in my marriage. And don't confuse forgiveness with tolerance. 
I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in parts two and three, two and or three. Um, but forgiveness is unconditional. But God never says anywhere in the Bible that reconciliation and forgiveness are the same thing. He never says reconciliation is unconditional. He never says relationship is unconditional. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to stay in a relationship with them. All right. I'm going to pause this episode, part one, and I'm going to start with part two in just a couple of minutes. Hope to see you back here soon because the parts two and three are absolutely amazing. This part one was just my nine steps of advice, which are very important, but parts two and three are lots of scripture, and part three especially is going to be from an article um, from a uh, originally from a lady who has a lot of experience in this area. Um, she, she has a lot more experience than I do, and I have a lot of experience, but she has a whole lot of experience. All right, see you soon. God bless you. Don't go away. Listen to part two.